So reflecting on our Dhamma practice and on the teachings of the Buddha, and you know, these, we have these terms unconditioned and conditioned, unconditioned asankata, conditioned asankata, and uh, the general theme is that the condition is always going to be unsatisfactory, changeable, and your main aim is to realize or to um, arrive at the unconditioned. And this is not a bad way of looking at it, but it can, like any other expression, it can have its uh, negative uh, implications. So the condition is not worth bothering with. <laughs> you, don't, you know, it doesn't really matter, which isn't what the Buddha meant. He put a lot of attention into into the conditioned. Uh, the path is conditioned. <laughs> The sangha, the monastic sangha is conditioned. The lay assembly is conditioned. He put most of his effort into into sustaining conditions uh, that would, by themselves, lead on to those who who uh, put the energy into the conditioned. Yeah, uh, and the saying the results are also experienced in in the conditioned realm. Say so, well, you know, not everybody's going to realize complete nibbana and freedom, but this will make you happier. This is for your, your long-lasting welfare and happiness. These are not kind of cosmic. These are fairly earthy realizations. This is just going to make you feel better, make life a bit more manageable. Uh, <laughs> uh, it will mean you have. Uh, um, you're serene, you're not so crushed by circumstances, uh, you feel steadier in yourself, you feel more reliable, you have good friends. Uh, yeah. these, these are not small things. And so often he would just be teaching this, you know, the correct way to do business so that you do your business in a way which is uh, gives you maximum contentment and uh, you don't get greedy with it or obsessed with it, um, how to live together, and the whole process of vinaya, which I was talking about the other week, training oneself to live a skillful life, you know, which is often, if you look at the monastic examples of vinaya, it's about relationship with others, it's about meagerness of needs, what you need, it's about um, really training and looking at that, and uh, being content with what one has, uh, and making honesty uh, the dominant theme in one's practice, sincerity and integrity and respect, dominant themes. Because this will make us all feel better, and it will make our relationships much more skillful, and this is, we have to live with this, in this conditioned life, so let's make it as good as possible. (laughs) You know, so, condition is important, um, not just as a path, but also as a fruit. Yeah? And so he, he recommended to the monks, look, make sure you get enough food every day. I don't recommend fasting or straining the body. Make um, some medicines, I allow these medicines to eat. You can have robes, you can you know, keep yourself in decent condition. Uh, that's all, you know. We're not trying to 
So it was considered a path of pleasure. I teach pleasure. And he was looked down upon by the other uh, recluses as being got a bit soft because... <laughs> so it has to, had to have the results in the conditioned as well as the unconditioned. Uh, and even the un- realisation of the unconditioned is supportive to conditioned life. Right? Yeah. So it's the condition leads the unconditioned yeah, and the unconditioned supports the condition. Now what, what do these terms really mean? Unconditioned, that which is open, uh, the mind that's not in anything. There's something in our minds that isn't in anything, it's just there. We don't really notice it too much because naturally the stuff that impacts us gets the maximum attention. We don't notice the fact that we can notice we're being impacted or the impacts change and shift. Yeah. So what's always here? There's something fundamentally open and un- untouched about mind. Now, you know, you may uh, uh, disagree with that. But uh, just consider over the long run the amount of you know, times you had breakdowns and tragedies and, oh no, I can't stand it another minute, and then here you are. <laughs> you know, if you've fallen off your bike or got sick and you just want to die and it's miserable and then you come out of it and you know, things change, don't they? So there's this fundamental kind of openness that naturally, like the sky, the clouds do swim across it, but there's a fundamental openness that remains there. Yeah. And we have to keep training to notice that. You notice that through the fact that conditions change. This is one of the fundamental teachings, isn't it? Now, that doesn't make them any more pleasant or unpleasant, but it does mean they have slightly less power to obsess or crush so this fundamental openness we can say also that this openness also means that things are as an unknownness which is slightly less comfortable the fact that we never really entirely know <laughs> you know we we think we've got it sorted out but actually there's bits we never really know there's a certain mystery an unknowingness. Uh, I, who am I? Where did I come from? What, what's this all about? What's the nature of reality? Yeah. You can't get can't get around it because it's bigger than you, bigger than your mind's ability to form concepts. So it's it's, it's not conditioned. It can't be can't be captured in the conditions of the thinking mind. And even, it's not fair, it's not unfair, it's beyond that. It's not right and it's not wrong, it's just open. It's unconstructed, there's nothing being constructed within that. It doesn't do anything. A lot of our lives are doing things, a lot of our minds are doing things. And yet there's something that doesn't do anything. Which sounds kind of ineffectual, like openness does. But actually, it's a salvation because this is a place we can return to because we begin to recognize that all our knowing and you know our, our knowledge 
and all our ability to create plans and ideas and structures never actually arrive at a final fruition, stasis, satisfaction, completeness. Yeah? It's been going on like this since time immemorial. Human beings have been trying to make things work and they feel they're getting there and then you know, something breaks down, changes, doesn't quite make it, somebody disagrees, you try to create the perfect structures for society. We all see they've got the great ideas, you know, democracy, uh, you know, communism's out of favour these days, but there's an idea, like everybody shares, we all share, that sounds like a very nice idea, um, you know, even, of course, it all got corrupted, democracy, everybody gets to vote, but of course, it's a great idea too, but we can see how that does depend on everybody being sensible, <laughs> which is always the case. <laughs> <laughs> you've got people who are deluded the majority you don't necessarily arrive in just because it's democratic doesn't mean it's going to do you any good <laughs> so but I'm not knocking it you know <laughs> it's a good it's a good idea it's a good aspiration it sounds great you know every choice if but it does depend on people being wise doesn't it not making the wrong choice you know and then of course you can have gods and, and you know, whatever cosmology one has and and then gods always got seems to have some most gods seem to have some rather dubious aspects like they tend to smite and judge and damn and destroy as well as doing nice things so the gods aren't always that absolutely on your side you know and so yeah, whatever the human mind creates it doesn't quite get it and that's can frustrate you as long as you imagine that you should be able to get it yeah. and just the, the kind of energy and the fervor and sometimes the almost like a a, a a passion in one's belief in in a conditioned in a conditioned reality this is going to this is it um, not the it hasn't certain benefits, but we just say, well, look, the unconditioned is, is we'll just step back because this is just it's dukkha. Doesn't mean it's necessarily utterly anguished. It means it's incomplete, not quite satisfying, or directly unsatisfactory. Yeah. And you can't assemble a, world, a, a complete, whole, uh, unbroken, harmonious reality out of it. There's always something left out. Yeah. We do things for the human beings. Uh, the animals generally get killed for our welfare. If we, yeah. Or trees or plants. And we can see this sense of, you know, when human beings look for their own welfare, that sounds pretty good. Even if we get our own welfare, at what cost to the rest of creation? So... This means we tend to step back a little bit from our ideologies, our beliefs, our convictions. Ah, now this. When I do this, I realise a certain fundamental axis. Also, I'm able to be a little more flexible with my beliefs, ideas, aspirations, wishes, and so forth. And I keep 
not holding them too tight. Yeah. So then one can handle conditions in an appropriate way, skillfully. Uh, and this is, you know, doesn't mean you don't, but you see the fundamental um, properties that, that we're often encouraged to look out for. Uh, there's whole sh- clusters of these that we're described. The simplest way described is the worldly wins. Praise, blame, gain and loss, happiness and unhappiness, renown and ignominy or neglect. Yeah. And so these are, the, these are the ways in which we call the constructed world operates like this. So when we're getting into the gain, we're really getting it. Hey, I'm getting it, I'm getting, getting it, yeah. Is it ever possible that gain doesn't turn into either somebody else has lost because of one's gain or one's gain goes on so far and then it begins to wane. The praise that one had disappears. You don't get enough of it or it disappears. And then blame comes in. Happiness comes up and then any tendency for the happiness to even flatten off so it's no longer rising. Well, okay. That's not so good, and then dip, unhappiness. So these winds of change and how they they whirl around because we want, we don't want the displeasure, we don't want the unhappiness, we don't want the discomfort, we don't want the, the sense of loss, we don't want that sense of neglect, being nobody. Or maybe we do. But whatever... Um, changes one goes through the world goes through including one's own part in it the aim is to just okay that's just the way the season is now we're in loss losing it blame being blamed not getting things done very well not succeeding uh-huh this too will change and remain unbound by that so this is where the unconditioned this central axis that doesn't do anything, it stays open, helps to moderate the impact of the conditioned. Yeah, that is. And also to lighten one's hold upon it. So this means, in a, particularly in a mutually shared world, it's much better if we hold our own position lightly. Because you can be sure that your position is one of many other positions. If you hold your own too hard, you're going to find conflict with others. So if we hold our own position lightly, but quietly and clearly, there's a chance in which we can be able to negotiate and find a common ground. Yeah, whereby these particular opinions and views no longer rise up to be fundamental and uh, uh, overpowering. Very important in a shared world, and it is a shared world. The conditioned. Uh, 
if you uh, it's not an easy word is it it's a very simple word and yet it's kind of abstract what do you meet what what touches you what meets you is it your concern about your aging parents is it your concern about the government is it the weather the climate is your finances your health um, yeah whether it's going up or going down your relationships with others are they rocky are they stable are they steady are they satisfying are they that she doesn't really understand i'm not getting through why don't people understand me i don't quite get through you know it used to be good but now we're in a rough patch what's going wrong <laughs> you know <laughs> this kind of thing goes on doesn't it <laughs> And what's gone wrong? Nothing's gone wrong, really. It's the nature of conditions. Um, and just realizing that at any particular moment, what, what touches forms a kind of, hmm, it forms that which we meet. And in a way, we become encircled by these conditions. We look one way and there's that and there's that and there's that. There's this in my mind. You know, so I'm sort of surrounded by my my awareness, surrounded by these various circumstances, the prospects, the unfinished difficulties, the struggles, the uh, hopes. And we're in the middle of all that. And something is running out to that to try to put it in place and smooth it out and tidy it up. Get that bit out of the way and then maybe change that. And if only that wasn't, and you know. So it's running out to all that, but running out to the conditioned in order to, you know, adjust it some or another or, or hold it together <laughs> as long as possible. And this running out. As it runs out, yeah, then we, our identity, our, our mind state is very much molded by that experience. I become agitated, I become discontented, I become, uh, you know, domineering, I become pushy, I want more of this, I become grumpy, I'm not getting my share, I become miserable, why don't people get what I'm talking about, I don't, you know. Why did I fail? I become disconsolate. I'm useless. I can't make things work. I'm a hopeless, inadequate person. Yeah. <laughs> so this bounces back, right? It becomes our identity. And then what happens? Loss of faith. What's the point? Uh, nothing's going to work, you know. Because the conditioned has, by this running out to it, the conditioned has mirrored mirrored those uh, and we become the image in that mirror the inadequate person the one who can't quite make it the one who's never quite this that or the other who people don't like or can't form a satisfying relationship with da 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 yeah? that's who I am and I'm stuck in that yeah? uh, right? and then so what happens now I well, loss of faith. The loss of faith in this openness, because I don't feel very open. And also I think, well, what's the point? 
being open still doesn't make people like me, which is what I want. <laughs> I like to be open and rich as well. I like to be open, rich, glamorous and liked. How about that? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, <laughs> that isn't quite how it works. <laughs> If you open and trust the openness to be something that you can find satisfaction if you, this is what these injuries tell you, if you have the openness and faith in that, and the energy settles in that, and then you know, you know it doesn't really matter so much about that, because you're feeling pretty good here. And if they don't get on so well with him, well, you can't always get on with, well with people. That's the way it goes. I mean, when you look at it, really, when you is there anyone who you could be completely in harmony with all day long and all night long forever? Has that ever happened? <laughs> Never. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with people. It's just that we, we are... We're all slightly misfits, aren't we? So we don't don't. Okay, we're just going through a rough patch, and mm-hmm, we'll see how that settles. Yeah, that's how way he is. And okay, find my space with that. And yeah. so he's returning to that, and by leaving some, not getting running out into conditions, we don't form an identity with that, and we don't get accelerate. The stress that comes with that. So, you know, if I'm getting created by conditions, then I become frantic. I'm planning all the time. I'm figuring out what I did wrong. I get regretful. I feel inadequate. I and I'm getting stressed out. And much of what I'm getting stressed out about is just ideas, memories, impressions. You know, nobody's actually attacking me, I'm just feeling inadequate. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm f- well fed, I, I've got a roof over my head, I'm feeling miserable because I haven't lived up to an idea. Well, you know, <laughs> most of it's created by one's own mind. Isn't it? One's expectations, one's hopes, one's wishes, which are not bad, but to imagine you can have them, that they could be unconditioned, they could be free from change, free from unsatisfactoriness, right? That your, your hopes, your ideas could be, and your wishes and your life could be free from unsatisfactoriness. On the condition level, no, no, you've got to get that. You've got to really got to got to remember that. There's nothing going wrong. This is the nature of conditioned. You know, there's such things as dying at the age of 25. That shouldn't happen. There's such things as getting run over by a truck. That shouldn't happen. There's such things as getting robbed. Uh, that shouldn't happen. 
Betrayed, that shouldn't happen. Lost, that shouldn't happen. Well, hmm? so since it's running out to conditions, um, and this this is called asawa, asawa, something like outflow, it means the mind runs out. It runs out from particular tracts, tracks, uh, track of uh, sensuality, track of becoming, and a track of ignorance, or not understanding. Let's take probably the most uh, continual and deeply rooted that we can, well, ignorance obviously is, Ignorance is to keep imagining that the condition could be other than what it is, uh, which is a pretty constant impression. So this is what causes the running out, right? To sort the conditioned out. Becoming is a sense of establishing identity around that, around condition. So what does this mean? It means that I have various ideas and possibilities and my mind runs out to get those established so that in the future I will be settled, comfortable, satisfied, you know, doing a good job, getting things done. That's what I want. And that, that runs out to conditioned, the conditioned reality. And we work on that and I think anybody who's got some wisdom will begin to notice, well, I'm, you know, I've this is what I do, and with some practice, you realize, well, it's never going to be perfect, but I felt I lived, I put more my effort in a way that I have feel good about, but the results are never quite satisfactory. But, so yeah, that's that, but I know because I'm not asking them to be that way, I can put energy into things I can put energy into things without expecting, asking for a result. Results will happen, whether I ask for them or not. If you put energy into things, certain results are going to come around, but you don't ask for them. That's the subtle point, because you're not establishing identity around success praise, gain in any, any way at all. Even if your gain is fairly altruistic, like I like to make everybody happy. That's a nice altruistic aim. If you try to do that, you're certainly going to get people very annoyed with you. Because <laughs> you, you start doing things that you think will make them happy. <laughs> and they say, could you look, could you just... You know, thank you very much. I'd like to some space, please. Could you just leave me be? You know, <laughs> I don't understand why. Yeah. So this asava running out, and what do we run out to? We run out to conditioned. Now there's something else that occurs there, in that the very manifestation of the conditioned is due to another underlying series of factors called anutsaya. Anutsaya, which are called latent or dormant tendencies. They're underlying. They're, they're, they're not uh, 
necessarily apparent. But these are the trends that we notice certain pieces of data and we don't notice others. Right? So we might, we might not notice the fact that we're in health because that's not giving me any, that's fine. You know, I don't notice, I don't think, oh, fantastic, I don't have toothache. Yeah. But I do notice that, uh, you know, there's, the weather's bad or something or the other. So, you know, so what strikes us itself is by no means a true appraisal of reality. It's a very selected reality. Certain pieces that strike my mind. And why they strike my mind? Because my mind has tendencies to look for. These are latent tendencies to look for that which irritates me. What a crazy thing. What a crazy thing. Have you noticed that? What's that? Annoyed. Fly buzzing on the window. Well, it's just the fly buzzing on the window. But the fly is buzzing on the window. (laughs) You know, something looks for the irritable. We have a tendency to ill will. We don't notice the... Yeah, the, the, the piece of the window that fly isn't uh, buzzing on, or the silence. We notice the pieces that annoys us. And you can do this certainly with people. You know, the, the mind can... What's crazy? What's she wearing? That's, that's disgusting. What a terrible thing. Yeah. What, did he, what did he do that for? That's, you know, we, things that annoy us. We have a tendency that seeks that which irritates us. And you can get good at it. And it's, it's a kind of reflex. You don't decide to do it. You're, you have a latent tendency called ill will. Yeah? And that constructs a reality for you. You notice things that annoy you, disappoint you, irritate you. You have a tendency for greed. You notice things that excite and stimulate. Yeah? And your mind is moored in that way. And there is a whole string of these latent tendencies. You have a latent tendency for becoming. That is, the mind seeks ways in which it can create an identity. It seeks, how can, in all this, I establish who I am? So we have all kinds of assessments of ourselves. It goes on, for some people, almost incessantly. Self-assessment. Self-assessment. Am I doing good? Am I this? What do people think of me? It's constant self-judgment. And sometimes, very rarely, is it ever agreeable. This is the tendency for becoming. And so something seeks a way in which we can know ourselves. I am one of these. I am like this, that and the other. Yeah. So it does that. This is the latent tendency called becoming. And then it seeks things or data that are able to give me a clear, distinct impression of myself. Uh, And so often the the landscape that we scan for that is called other people. So we scan, something scans other people, you know, well, she doesn't like me and 
he's better than that and I'm like this and he's like that. We're comparing ourselves with others. We're imagining what they feel about me. We uh, concern ourselves what they're thinking about me. We assume in some fundamental way that everybody else is, is looking or thinking about me. Right? When I walk into a room, people are talking about me. Why should... You know, that they think a lot of things about me. Uh, have all kinds of ideas about me. I'm not welcome here. People don't like me. I'm the star of the show. And the rest of humanity that manifests around me is totally concerned with judging me. Now, <laughs> when you put it like that, you realise how crazy it is. And yet, do you notice how much in your mind something goes, what does he think of me? She really meant that. The way he looked at me meant that. They obviously don't like this. I'm the, I'm the odd one out of the group. I'm the one who doesn't quite make it. I'm the only Jew or brown-haired person or blonde or female or male or black or whatever. I'm the odd one out. You know? And it seeks to become that. So it doesn't say, like, we've all got toes. Yeah, so we don't notice the fact that we all have toes or that we all uh, elements, earth, air, we all suffer. We tend to notice the things that we can say create a specific, unique identity about me and that everybody else is helping to build that. This is called the latent tendency of becoming. And then you see so you, your mind runs out to find all the kind of ways in which I can judge myself. Or imagine that other people are judging me. Yeah. And there's no evidence for that. I mean, with a bit of work, you can concoct some evidence. But you notice you don't you don't actually need any evidence. You can work on that that assumption is there. I am an identity. And that identity is conditioned. And being conditioned, as it runs out, it finds the unsatisfactory. It runs out to the conditioned realities which are unsatisfactory. I am unsatisfactory. And so the latent tendency brings certain things to mind and in the sense of the asava establishes I am the person who turned up late I'm the person who has odd socks I'm the person who doesn't know how to tie a knot you know it's particular pieces of data which give me a distinct unique identity and that is suffering <laughs> that's what happens it runs out it runs out and it generates this and then you lose faith you lose faith. And your faith is just the... Wait a minute. You cannot, from conditioned data, you cannot establish a permanent identity, a lasting, coherent identity. You have a collage of impressions that select... You cannot establish an identity out of conditions. And yet, 
most of your life you're trying to do exactly that. <laughs> most of your life you're trying to create an identity out of conditions, thinking that will make you happy and settled and stable. Yeah? And that identity could be you know, a job, a career, a place to live, or whatever, you know. And that will, that will, get, that will make you happy or, or satisfied. And it doesn't. But doesn't mean one shouldn't have a job or a place or whatever. It means that you lightly, you don't expect it to make you happy. You use it as a way to find your balance. How can I hold this lightly and cultivate patience and clarity and serenity and honesty? And virtue with is that. And this is the true way of bringing this unconditioned light into conditions. And with this, you know, it's like uh, wherever you're at, you know, whether it, right now it's your time to do some failing, or your time to be sick, or your time to be busy, or your time to be struggling with looking after someone. Okay, this is my dharma. This is my practice now, is to be with this set of conditions and maintain faith in the unconditioned, in the clarity, in the witnessing, and seeing, can I cultivate what needs to be cultivated in this to loosen the hold? It could be just breathing in and out. It could be cultivating loving kindness. It could be practicing patience. It could be a number of skillful means that mean the conditions of the life no longer bind you into these stuck places. So we're neither successful nor unsuccessful. We're neither adequate nor inadequate. We're neither failures nor successes. We're neither. We're not any of it. Because uh, if you if you're any of it, you're going to suffer. <laughs> and you practice then with the conditions that arise. As this is exactly what's happening right now. Is exactly my Dharma practice to practice with faith to practice with energy to practice with mindfulness and to bring forth qualities of wisdom and discernment into conditioned life reality and of course naturally that always breaks down into or comes down into the ground level of how we live our lives. Right view, right speech, right action, right thought, right livelihood arises from the unconditioned. The unconditioned doesn't do anything, but the nature of the unconditioned gives us that space in which we act with dispassion and we act with a sense of freedom from doubt. This is what I do now. Because this is right speech, 
right action, right livelihood. This is for my welfare and the welfare of others. However small it is, however seemingly insignificant it is, this is my dharma at this time. Cultivating like this, one is successful in the dharma term of it. It's is a uh, one is uncrushed, unbowed, unstressed, and one brings forth dharma into your into the world, and you begin to see things differently. It dries up those latent tendencies. You don't seek to become something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you don't find fault with things mm-hmm. in the same way. Things no, you don't. The latent tendency of ill will dries up because it's just uh, a poison. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the way which. Uh, Practicing in this world we find, in this very world, in this conditioned world, a sense of comfort, balance and fearlessness. So this returning to this uh, position is always uh, our act of faith. Um, And that's where we begin. And that's what keeps us going. So offer this for your reflection this evening, or this morning, whatever time works for you.